today, Pastor Javen will encourage us to behold the wonder of Christmas. So take a moment now and prepare your heart for today's service. If you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me to uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being just a man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call him his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Amen. You may be seated. that he is. He is with us. And we're glad again that you are with us today as well. I want you to take just a moment to think about, think back to when you were a child this time of year. Think back to the wonder that you had in this time of year. If you have kids or you have grandkids, you probably love to see the wonder, the, the amazement that's on their faces at this time of year, the excitement that they have. If you missed out on that as a child, man, I'm, I'm really sorry. Because, I mean, it, it, it is a, I think back to my childhood, and it, it was just, it was awesome. The, the, the excitement and the wonder that came along with this season. But that's what this season is about. It's about the wonder. You know, you don't have to teach children to experience wonder. Children just know how to do it. I think us as adults, when we get, grow older, we tend to just start losing our ability to be able to do that. We need to look at children and relearn how to hang on to wonder. I, I happened to see a clip this morning from Mr. Rogers. Maybe you remember Mr. Rogers. As a kid, I loved Mr. Rogers. I don't know why, but I did. I loved him. And uh, all, the, all the little stories he would do, it was, I don't know, it, I was just enthralled by him. I don't know, but... But I was watching this little clip from an interview of his, and, uh, and he was asked the question, what's one of the greatest gifts you've ever been given? And his answer was this. He said, silence. Now, if, you're, if your husband and your wife ask you that question, don't answer that way, okay? That's, that's not the way to go. But he answered, he said, silence. And this is the reason. He said, and this was years ago that this would, interview would have taken place, but he said, he said, the thing is, in our world, in our culture, we're so enamored with information that we don't take time to wonder. And there's so much truth in that. I want you to pause for just a moment. I want you to just think for just a moment. To just sit in and soak in the fact that the mystery and the majesty of the God who hung the stars... The God who spoke this world into existence. He entered our world. And he showed his love and his grace and his mercy to his creation. That is a wonder 
to behold. You know, that's what this season is supposed to remind us. That every day we behold that truth. You think about it, you go into seasons like this and man, we get caught up in the busyness of doing that we just miss out on being in, right? We get so caught up and and it's, I mean, it's fine, it's what happens, but we get so caught up in buying and baking and prepping and planning and managing and attending and worrying. We neglect our opportunities to just be present in whatever moment we have to be aware of what's happening around us, to be amazed by what's happening around us. In the opening scripture that Graham read for us this morning from Matthew chapter one, there's a word that's mentioned in that. It's the reason we read from this translation this morning, because there's a word that's in this translation. It's not often in modern translations and it's a very important word. So let's go back and let's see this. Matthew chapter one, verse 20. Matthew's writing, he says, but while he thought about these things, talking about Joseph, thinking about what has been going on with Mary, this is not his child, but she's pregnant. You got to imagine there's a lot going on in his head, right? So he's thinking about these things. And then Matthew says, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And he began to speak to him. And this is what he said. He said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you, Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Now, what was the prophecy that was spoken? What is Matthew referencing? He's going to quote it in the next verse, but let's just look back at what he's quoting. Isaiah chapter seven, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name. Emmanuel. See this, this is something to wonder in, to behold, because think about it. This prophecy from Isaiah came some 740 years before the event ever took place. So just stop and pause for a moment and think about how big God is. That over seven centuries before it happened, God spoke through a prophet and said, this is what is going to take place. And Matthew, who was a Jew who had been waiting on this prophecy to be fulfilled, like many who had been waiting years before him, is writing this gospel to tell his fellow Jews around him, this prophecy has come to fulfillment. This child has been born. And what is he called? Well, Joseph and Mary were told to call him Jesus, but he would also be known as, because he's known by many names, he's known as Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. Now, don't just hear that. Because if you're like me, it's probably nothing new. You've probably heard that before. God with us. But don't just hear it this morning. Behold it. Marvel in it. Be amazed by it. This is what Joseph was told to do. Joseph, the angels told him, behold. The great preacher Charles Spurgeon said this about the word behold. He said, 
that behold is a word of wonder. It is intended to excite admiration. Wherever you see it hung out in scripture, it's like an ancient signboard signifying that there are rich wares within. It's drawing attention to something particularly worthy of observation. So we should stop and observe the fact that God is with us. This was earth shattering news at this point. Joseph and every other person at that time would know God is a holy God. You cannot look upon the pure essence of God and live. But now the angel is saying God is with us. They would know how Moses had to hide his face whenever God passed them on the mountainside. They would know that in the Holy of Holies where the temple was, was the presence of God. It said the Ark of Covenant, which represented the presence of God. And there was only one person that could go into the Holy of Holies. And that was the high priest. And he could only do that twice a year. And history tells us that when he went in, when he went, he went in with a rope around his ankle, just in case he died so that people could pull him out because nobody could go in and get him. You don't look on the pure essence of the presence of God and live. But now the angel is saying, God is with us. God is with us. God had taken the form of the very man he had made to bring new life to a world who would receive him. To a world who would behold him as their Lord and Savior. To a world, to a people who would choose to worship him with wonder. Jesus was not just another baby born. I'm sure there were many baby born, many babies born around that time. But Jesus wasn't just another baby born. There were angels that were proclaiming his birth. There were shepherds who were leaving their flock out in the fields to journey to where this baby was to see what this birth was all about. The biggest star in the heavens was resting over his residence. And wise men who were hundreds of miles away traveled and followed that star to see the birth of what the prophets from hundreds of years ago had talked about. A grown adult king was threatened by the birth of this baby. Jesus was not just another baby born. He was God with us. And it was God showing the world that I am not a far off God. I am not uninvolved in your life. I'm God with you, he says. And I understand and I realize that sometimes it's hard to feel like the creator of the world is with you. It's hard to feel that way because there is real hurt that takes place in this world. There's real pain that takes place in our lives. We prayed for a lady last week that received a diagnosis that no one wants to hear. I I, I journeyed with a family this week who tragically lost unexpectedly a family member in their life. Loss is hard. Loss in this season does not make it any easier. Pain is real. Hurt is real. There are people waiting on answers, waiting on things. I don't argue that. And it was no different in the time when Jesus was born. That's why the word of God is so important in our life because it speaks to every aspect of our life. 
There's a, there's a part in this, in Luke's telling of the birth of Jesus that sometimes we just kind of read and don't really take in the meaning of what it's saying. But Luke tells us in his account that there were two individuals who witnessed this baby, Jesus Christ, and realized that he was the Messiah who had been born for us, who experienced comfort and joy in their life in the middle of their waiting as soon as they saw Jesus. One of those men was a, a righteous and devout man by the name of Simeon. He, he, he was in the temple and Luke tells us that he was waiting on the consolation of Israel. Basically what that means is he was waiting on the Messiah. He was waiting on the hope of restoration that was supposed to come to the nation of Israel. And he had been told by God, you will not die, Simeon, until you see the Messiah face to face. And then in walked Mary and Joseph with Jesus to go through the steps of what they're supposed to go through after their child had been born. In comes Jesus. And Simeon takes Jesus into his arms and he realizes all of a sudden he beholds the wonder of the birth of the Messiah. And he says these words, Luke Luke records them in Luke chapter 2, verse 29. Simeon begins to pray, he says, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace, just as you have promised. I've seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations. And he is the glory of your people, Israel. Simeon was waiting on that. And then he looks at Jesus' mother. He looks at Mary and he tells her, he says, Mary, verse 34, we see it. Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. He was telling her, This child is the Messiah. You need to take a moment to pause and wonder in the fact of what God has blessed you with. What God has given you. The other individual was a lady by the name of Anna. Maybe it was pronounced Anna. We have an Anna in this church. I asked her after the first service, should I have said Anna instead of Anna? She said yes. But... She had been married for seven years and she had been a widow now for a very long time because she lost her husband seven years into her marriage. But she had been working faithfully in the temple as a prophetess, just waiting on what was next for her in her life. But as she walked by in that moment, And she saw Simeon with this baby and she heard Simeon speaking to Mary and Joseph. Verse 38, Luke tells us this. She came along just as Simeon was talking and she began praising God. Wow, what did she do in that moment? She was beholding. She was in wonder. She was in amazement and she began to praise God. And she talked about the child to everyone who had been what? Waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. Simeon and Anna represent those who are waiting and longing, those who are hurting and struggling. Don't just read past that. Be in awe of the fact that God speaks to you in your waiting. Simeon had been waiting for deliverance. He had not been alive this long, but for 700 years, Israel had been under the oppression of Assyria, then Babylon, then the Persians, then the Greeks, and now the Romans. 
And he was longing for deliverance, for justice, for restoration for his nation. He represents the posture of a long waiting heart. Anna, I told you, she was probably someone who, she had lost her husband just after seven years, just after a relationship was beginning to be be, be built and, and, and joy was in a marriage and then all of a sudden she loses him. And she's a widow and now she's 84 years old and she had just been waiting to see God. And Jesus is the answer. The baby, Emmanuel said to both Simeon and to Anna, says to us, God is with us. But see, here's the thing, what they were waiting for, what many in that day were waiting for, what we are often waiting for and what we think we need is much different from what we really need most. See, God's answer may come differently than you expect it to come, but God's answer is always precious because his answer is always found in his presence. We need to behold that. There's another point in the gospel of Mark that we see that we're told to behold. And Mark does not begin his gospel with the birth of Jesus. He jumps straight to the earthly ministry of Jesus. And he begins to talk about one that's known as John the Baptist. And he references the prophets Malachi and Isaiah. In Mark chapter 1 verse 2 he says, As it is written in the prophets, there's our word, Behold. I send my messenger before you who will prepare your way. The voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make his paths straight. Now, Luke, when Luke talks about John the Baptist, Luke makes this statement. He says that the word of God came to him, came to John. Now we may hear that and we may not think much about it. Well, the word of God comes to people. Okay. But in that day, that was very significant. Because since the prophet Malachi had spoken, there had been silence from God. God had not been heard from. God had not, no prophet had arisen and spoken since there had been 400 years of silence. The people did not feel like God was with them. But Jesus came at just the right time to show them that God was with them. And he had been with them all along. Paul words it this way, Galatians chapter four, verse four. He says, when the time was right, God came. God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. Other translations say the fullness of time. In other words, just at just the right time, when the time was right for the words of all the prophets to be fulfilled, when the time was right, Jesus came. See, God might have been silent, but he was not inactive. During that 400 years of silence, God was readying the world for King Jesus. God said, when my son comes, I need a unified language to be around so that the spread of the good news can be easier to take place. So he permitted Alexander the Great to conquer the worlds around him and create a unifying language. God said, when my son comes, I need there to be a time of peace. I need there to be roads to give access for the good news of the gospel to spread out around the world. And so he allowed and he permitted the Romans to take control and then entered the Pax Ramona area when there was a great time of peace and they began to build the roads so that people could travel. So now the good news can be spread all throughout. Was God silent? Yes. Was he inactive? No. 
Is it hard to hear God in your life sometimes? Is it hard to feel like God is working in your life sometimes? Yes, it is. But is he inactive? No, God is with you. You need to know that today. Listen, we want a God that's going to end all of our problems instantly just when we ask him. But that's not a God. You're looking for a genie. One day, God will end our problems once and for all. But until then, we can rest in the fact that he's a God that suffered with us and he's a God that suffered for us. Are our problems real? Yes, they are. But so is he. Are our problems big? Yeah, but he's bigger. <laughs> do our problems need a counselor sometimes? Yes, they do. And that's okay. But don't forget his other names. He is wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Let me just give you one more thought to behold and to wonder over in this time of year. There was another John who was one of Jesus's disciples. He, he spent three years of his life with Jesus, growing and, and learning under the teaching of Jesus. He watched the death and the resurrection of Jesus. He spent the last years of his life exiled on an island called Patmos. He was sent there by a Roman emperor with the name Domitian because John would not stop talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ and the good news of Jesus Christ. But while he was on that island, Jesus appeared to John and gave him a vision. And John wrote that vision down. And what John wrote was discovered inside a cave on that island. That cave has since become known as the Holy Cave of the Apocalypse. That writing has become known as what we know as, you probably know it already. It's the last book of the Bible, the last book of the New Testament, Revelation. And it's in that revelation that Jesus gives John and he gives to us an unveiling. He unveils himself. He, un, he pulls the curtain back and he shows John that even in the middle of all the tribulation, even in the middle of all the confusion, he is there. He's not the author of it, but he's the editor of it. <laughs> he says, I'm not creating all the confusion, but I'm going to clean it up. There was a counselor by the, name, uh, by the name of Larry Crabb. He's a follower of Jesus Christ. He made this statement about John and about his vision. He said, on the island of Patmos, John did not, uh, Jesus did not give John relief from his dire circumstances. But listen to what he says. Instead, he gave him an unforgettable vision of the Son of God. And how does this vision come to a close? Look with me in Revelation chapter 22, verse 12. And behold, Jesus says, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. And what does he say? He says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Behold, worship with wonder. Our reward is with him. It's in his presence. God is with us. He has been there from the beginning. He's already standing in the end. And for that reason, we can be sure that he has a plan in the present. We can rest in his presence. The season that we have been in leading up to tomorrow 
has become known as the Advent season. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this about the Advent. He said, the Advent season is a season of waiting, but our whole life is an Advent season. This is a season of waiting for the last Advent. The time when there will be a new heaven and a new earth. The good news is, is that in the middle of that waiting, God is with us. In the middle of that waiting, comfort and joy is available for us in our life because he is with us. In the middle of that waiting, we have the opportunity to be messengers of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, preparing the way for whenever he may come again. When you behold, when you take wonder in the fact that the almighty God, the all-knowing, all-powerful God, the creator of this universe, the ever-present God, the God is with you. It changes everything about your life. Because when you have no direction in your life, he's with you as your God. When you're hurting or when you are alone, he is with you as your friend. When you're in the middle of a trial, he is with you as your comforter. When you are sick, he is with you as your healer. When you are weak, he is with you as your strength. When you are lost in your sin, he is there to be your savior. Behold, worship with wonder. God is with you. The question that we have to answer is, am I with God? He's Emmanuel. He came to reveal his love, his character, his goodness, the nature of God. He came to reveal that to you. He wants to be your comfort and your joy. He longs and wants nothing more than for you to be with him. He wants you to love him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind all your strength. He is not a God that is far off, that is distant, that is uninvolved in your life. He is with you. He is the God that came to reveal himself to you in order to reconcile you to the creator, God, your heavenly father. God is with you. Behold, take wonder, marvel in the fact that he came to be Stay with me this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what you show us, what you teach us. We thank you for Jesus that you came to show us you are with us. God, I pray today that every person in this room and every person watching online has entered into a relationship with you has accepted the fact that you are the son of God who came to give his life for us. And they are walking this life with you. God, I thank you for that. I want to encourage you today. If you're in this room, you're watching online and you've never taken that step to be in relationship with God, to become a follower of Christ. Paul says it the most simple way. He says, you believe in him and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. I just encourage you today to believe that Jesus is 
who the word of God says he is. He walked this earth. That has not been refuted. He died. He rose again. There are hundreds of witnesses that saw a resurrected Jesus Christ. He is real and he did that for you. Believe in him today and then confess and make him Lord of your life. That means take everything else off the throne seat that you're allowing to lead you and and move you in this life and let God lead you. Let God guide you. Let his word speak into you and lead you. Make him Lord of your life. Believe in him today. Confess with your mouth and follow him. It would be the greatest thing you could ever do because it's the greatest gift that's ever been given to this world. If you need prayer in any way today, we would love for you to reach out to us. You can go to our website, bwccamden.com, go to our contact page. You'll find the link there to request prayer or send us anything that you would like to communicate with us today. Or you can also simply text the word prayer to 803-676-7566. And we will be back in touch with you to find out how we can be in prayer for you. God bless you. We hope that you have a great week.